It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. So the little drop pass and a crisscross for Artemi Pernodin. He lets the shot go. No chance for Blackwood because of what you just said, Drew. A great screen in front. And Pernodin, who is just lights out in this building, gets his 14th point on the power play. His 13th overall goal in the season, which is uh, among the best in the league. And it's 1-1. Yeah, I mean, you know, right from the get-go, I thought we were ready to play and, you know, obviously get some news this morning that we were going to have the full lineup that we needed and just the way we, you know, stuck with it throughout the 60 minutes, you know, says an awful lot about our group and, you know, frustrating because we felt like we gave them a few gifts there uh, in the third period, but, you know, our mental toughness and our resolve certainly make you feel good. All right, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? We are watching a Sharks team that continues to grow before our very eyes. And I do think that I am not trying to play the card of moral victory or anything like that. But I will say that for my own sake, when watching the game yesterday, I was pleasantly surprised with the way the Sharks were able to uh, continue to fight in that game. I mean, it was back and forth early against a very, very good New York Rangers team. You're up. One nothing. Good. That's another thing they needed to do. If you're going to win on the road, especially a team like the Sharks, they need to score early and they need to score often. They need to not be at a deficit and be chasing the game. And that was one of the things that for a second consecutive game, uh, they did very, very well. They took an early one nothing lead. The Rangers, much to their credit, though, had a very quick answer. And the Sharks were able to answer right back. They found themselves, again, able to get themselves right back into the game. Then they take a 2-1 lead. And then right after that, you see the Rangers once again coming back with a 2-2 tie and then are able to go up 3-2 by the time the first period comes to an end. And there's a number of issues that I have in that first period situation where the Sharks uh, took too many penalties and simply got a little bit loose defensively. And I think that that's something that the Rangers can um, almost bait you into doing, not the penalties, but playing a very wide open style. It's like the Rangers almost baiting you into rushing down the ice and opening and stretching out everything so they can come right back at you um, to borrow from my uh, soccer world on the counterattack. I mean, that was very much what it was like. It was like, okay, let's stretch them out and let's come back at them with speed. Let's get them a little bit off kilter. Uh, we'll get them to have to rush into their defensive assignments and we'll take advantage. 
And I, I saw that more than a couple times. And I think the Sharks got into uh, some of that early penalty trouble that well that way. And listen, that's what a team like New York is going to do. They, they're they very, very good. They're at the top of the league right now for a reason. But, you know, when I watched the game go down, when I saw the Sharks have their overall abilities and overall opportunities, you know, they 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 were getting team goals. Like, that's the thing is, like, these are not just big individual efforts. You know, these are uh, contrived or ordained or however you want to talk about it. Like, there is a plan in play, and it's a stark contrast to what we saw previously. And, you know, the Sharks had to get over the hump of scoring, you know, goals in general on the road. And they did that at two games ago against the Islanders when they were able to score six. But that was their offensive high point of the year. And prior to that, you know, you'd seen the Sharks only score one or none on the road. So to have consecutive games on the road, which are meeting your season high for goal production or beating your season high for goal production, this is truly a step in the right direction. Now, you can also make the counter argument that you don't want to uh, be giving up six goals. But I know that by going off of the subreddit comments, people would rather see a 6-5 loss than a 4-1 or 5 nothing loss. And again, I'm not trying to say that this is something that we all want to love because I do not love losing, but I would always rather take a competitive loss and an entertaining loss overall than something that's out of hand and kind of gets you frustrated for the uh, the time being. Um, and I wasn't frustrated after yesterday's game. I think there was a lot to like in the Sharks game. Um, Alexander Barabanov gets back in, immediately scores a goal. I thought that was a, a huge, huge outcome. Jan Ruda looked more impactful as he got back out there. I thought that there was just overall a, a more confident Sharks group out there on the ice. And I think that's one of the things that's most important about this team going forward is how do they continue to respond game to game? How do they play against these top-level opponents? How do they situate themselves so that they can get more of an opportunity in games? And you're watching them score with more consistency. You're watching them play to an extremely high level, as I thought that what they showed at certain moments against the Rangers and against the Islanders, and even in the game against Boston, you know, these, this is not the same Sharks that we saw on their previous road trip. This is not the same Sharks that we saw at points of October. This is a much more impressive team because they went out on the road in the month of October and they had to play some very, very good teams. That, you know, they played Florida, they played Tampa, they played Carolina, they played Washington. And they lost in those games, mind you, 3-1, 6-0, 3-0, and 3-1. But let's take a look at the game that is, um, well, not relatively the most comparable, but the one that uh, they also gave up six goals. That's the Tampa game, and they lost 6 nothing in that game. Well, what happened in this one in which they gave up six goals? They had five to answer. And they also had a point in the game where it went from being, um, you know, a, a competitive game to suddenly being down 5-3. You're at 3-3. After the Sharks got another goal from Jacob McDonald on the power play to suddenly it's 4-3 and then suddenly early in the second period it's 5-3 and then it's 6-3. And that's a situation where the Sharks earlier this year that could have turned into a 7-3, 8-3, 9-3 type game and they came roaring back to life. You quickly got a goal from Fabian Zetterlin who was assisted by Mikhail Grandlin and Anthony Duclair. And then you got Alexander Barabanov getting back onto the board from a goal from, or on a pass from Kalen Addison and Tomas Hurdle. These were team goals. I, you know, I, I, I think that was my favorite part about it is you saw a plan in play. You saw these guys all looking like they had good chemistry, like they knew what the others were going to do. And that to me is the most important aspect of what we're watching out there on the ice. It's like, 
it, it, it's clearly working. Like whatever they figured out offensively, it's now giving them an opportunity. And I look at where they were um, a while ago where they just had no conceivable way of creating any offense. And that's not what we're watching right now. I think we are watching the Sharks team that's actually figuring themselves out. Now, the end result of figuring themselves out, I don't know that that's going to be anything, you know, truly impressive. But, you know, you go past the talk of earlier this year of people saying this is going to be the worst team in the history of the cap era. I, I don't believe that to be true. I never believed it to be true. I think that in any of those cases, you have to wait for the entirety of the season to play out. But, I, you know, when you watch a Fabian Zetterland, when you see – you know, other players like Duclair starting to come alive. I mean, this is such a huge part of what happens to a team, especially a team that is learning themselves and figuring everything out. This isn't, you know, where the Sharks were a couple of years ago when, you know, they are a decade ago for more accurate sake, where you had the same players coming back, where guys knew each other, where you knew exactly what you were going to get out of these lines and they were going to be able to just throttle guys. They knew where everybody was going to be. They had so much chemistry. They had so much ability. That was the result of team design and timing and everything just being in the right place at the right time. And for the Sharks right now, um, these players have been actively learning themselves. They've been learning their teammates. There was an incredible amount of turnover, and it takes time. And I know that people are very impatient. They don't want to wait. They want to see the results in the here and now. But I will take the delayed gratification of watching the Sharks improve before our very eyes uh, as opposed to this team having just been set in stone from day one and not having any change. Right now, we are watching the Sharks evolve and learn how to play with each other, and that's going to be a continued evolution throughout this year and as the team goes forward. I mean, we had the talk yesterday um, on one of the intermissions with Tara about the report from Elliot Friedman that there was uh, interest in Mario Ferraro. Whether or not that's true, I, I can't say. You know, I don't know. I don't have any inside info but I think that a lot of these questions that we're all asking ourselves, a lot of these questions that are going to come up about the Sharks as we get deeper into the year and closer to the trade deadline is, what do we truly envision the timeline being? What does Mike Greer think about when this team is going to be at its most competitive again? What does Mike Greer think that these players can bring in terms of the design? Because as we've talked about multiple times before, the Sharks do have a relatively decent amount of uh, cap room coming up in this summer. And they do have the ability to make trades and take on bad contracts and situate themselves for the future. I, you know, I know people probably want to see an investment to make it immediately better for next year. But while that could still happen, I think you also have to see what these teams all are offering. And if you can get more first round picks, if you can get more overall talent into your system, I am not going to be against that in the slightest. I look at the tweet yesterday from Curtis Pashelka, or two days ago, he was talking about the Islanders. He said, I guess when you draft seventh overall or better six times in eight years with two number ones and a number two, you wind up with some pretty good players. And that's what the Sharks are trying to organize for themselves. You want to acquire these top picks. You want to acquire these top players, these top talents. You saw what they were able to do with a... Um, you know, a Quentin Musty and a Will Smith. You've seen William Eklund. You are looking at high-profile players that have really good ability. And I know that some people are waiting for William Eklund to, you know, really explode. But it's like he's one of those players you're going to need to have better talent around him, and you're going to need to watch him continue to develop as a player. And I think that same goes for Thomas Bordalo. And then, you know, the one that people don't talk about consistently is Shakir Mukhamadoulin, who I think, you know, Nick Nolenberger keeps on telling me that he is going to be the you know, or he is currently the best player on the Barracuda, but he's still developing. But I, I think it all points to the future. 
And I think it all points to not immediately. Now, it could happen sooner rather than later because you watch a player like Fabian Zetterlund continue to score goals and you really like what he's offering. But it's all about turning what you are able to get into top talent that will be on your team. And yes, the main goal obviously is sooner rather than later, but it's interesting to watch these things pop up. It's interesting to watch these uh, pop up as the Sharks are playing better as well. And I know that's going to happen more and more as we get closer and closer to the deadline, even though we're only, you know, 25 games into the year at this point. But, you know, people are going to keep on talking about the Sharks and talk about talent on the team. And Mike Greer is going to have to figure out where specifically he sees this timeline. But, you know, when you watch players that came over in the Timo Meyer trade, like a Fabian Zetterland, uh, continue to look like a high quality player, uh, it is it is very much something that you're excited about, as well as a, you know, a top draft pick, as well as a Shakir Mukmadul, and as well as an Ohochuk. I mean, these are players that are contributing to the Sharks in the here and now and are also part of the future. So, you know, you watched yesterday multiple goal contributors for a second consecutive game. I think that was one of the things that I was most pleased about is I believe you had 12 guys who scored points in the game, and you also had a number of players uh, get in on it. Like you had goals from Duclair, Carpenter, Zetterland, McDonald, and Barabanov. And you also had, um, you know, points from Hoffman and Granlund and Hurdle and Burroughs and LeBanc and Ruda and Addison. And this was not something that we were seeing earlier in the season. And I know that two games does not make it a trend, but I do think that we are witnessing what it takes to have multiple goals scored in a game where you're needing more than one and or two. I mean, if you look back at the month of November, um, you know, they finally got a number of goals scored in their win over St. Louis. That was five, but they had three in a loss against Florida. They had three in a win against the Oilers. Um, you know, then they had three or excuse me, two in a shootout loss against Montreal four in a win over Vancouver. You know, then you go back down to two in that game against the Caps, and you didn't get anything in that game against uh, Boston when you lost, but then you come back and you get six against Jersey for the win, then you get five and a loss. Like, compared to where they were in the month of October, uh, where you just simply did not get many goals at all, their best output um, early on was game three when they had three and they lost to Carolina, then it was one, then it was one, then it was one, then it was nothing, then it was nothing, then it was one, and then it was one, and then it was two, and then it was finally scoring two and a win. So you're watching the offense continue to have more and more consistency at the very, very least. But you weren't getting a lot earlier because you didn't have guys knowing where everybody was. One of the main themes that we heard from David Quinn was that guys didn't trust each other. Guys didn't, you know, really play like they expected guys to be in certain places, like they were expecting them to have certain reactions to plays, like they knew where to be for certain pucks. Now, guys trust them to make those passes. Guys trust them to be where they expect them to be. They know that when they start charging down the ice that they're going to know what the other guy wants to do, that they know what they're going to expect to see from them. That was not happening before, and again, it's indicative of the overall growth from the Sharks. Now, the defense yesterday... Um, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to put this onus on Mackenzie Blackwood and say this was his fault. I didn't think he had his best game, but he also made a number of big stops, and I think that he deserved better defense around him. You heard uh, Brett talking about it in the post game. There were defensive assignments that were missed. There were guys that were not getting to their spots. There were guys that were doing about 
you know, 70% of what they needed to do on defense and then kind of missing out on that final little bit that they needed to do, the final 30% that would have shut down the opportunity for the opposition. That's the next step in the growth, right? And I'm, I'm still very pleased that the Sharks were able to fight and get their way back into it. Um, but at the same time, we have to be realistic about where they are, about what they can do and how they can situate themselves on defense to be, you know, that much better because it shouldn't always require the goalie standing on their head. Like, Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen have had games this year where they have completely stood on their head and been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm listen, I'm all for that. I'm not denying that in the slightest, but it needs to be a balance, right? Like you can't expect your goalie to bail you out on every single missed assignment. And at the same time, you are going to have games where Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, does let one slip by. I mean, listen, there were a couple where I'm sure he thought he could have got him last night. Um, and we can have an argument uh, in person if you want about whether or not he should have. And I'm sure there's a goalie out there who's saying, Ted, that was not his fault. But I think that's the standard that Mackenzie Blackwood has set for himself this year. It's like you feel that there were some that he should have had. And that one wraparound, the second one from Panera, and I, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if Blackwood didn't know where he was going or just lost sight of him or had a bad push to try and close down there. Um, but it didn't look like he really uh, was pleased with his effort there. And I think that's one um, where he didn't make the stop where maybe earlier this year he would have. But again, you can't expect them to be perfect in every single situation. The defense has to do more in those situations as well. It's a team sport, guys. It takes everyone but we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we are going to get into some of the post-game reaction. That's coming up next on Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. You're listening to the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Tornado's got four points, digs it free. Sends back behind the goal line. Barabanov moves away from him. Slides it over to Hurdle on the left right wing boards. Put it off the boards. Good job by Lafreniere, but then a better job by Hurdle to steal it back. And he bulls his way to center ice with it. Down the right Hurdle. Cross the line. Puts on the brakes. Sends to the middle of the ice. Addison in front. Score! Tip right on goal. Great goal by the Sharks. Alexander Barabanov. And what a play by Kalen Addison. All of a sudden, it's a 6-5 game. <laughs> I am, are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we're playing much better hockey, and we've had a lot of adversity this year. I've said this a lot. No one's had more than us. Uh, today was an ad adverse day with the news we got this morning, but, you know, give our guys a ton of credit. They came ready to play tonight and, you know, had a chance to tie you late. Yeah, that was truly a situation that did not exist previously with the Sharks this year. They were not going to get themselves back into a game. They were going to collapse. They were going to get deflated. And when you saw that it was a 6-3 game and the Sharks were completely out of it, you did not expect them to come roaring back. And I like being pleasantly surprised because that is a sign of the Sharks continuing to build themselves up as a team to continue to have that psychological fortitude to continue to be just that much better because when they would get down in those games they just did not have an answer they did not have the ability to get themselves engaged but this was different they knew they had the offensive ability they had already scored three in this game offense was not the problem the problem in this game was defense and that is something they are going to have to work on but you can look at it from a couple of angles they are on the road 
in a different time zone. They are going against one of the best teams in the NHL, if not the best team for the current moment. And it was kind of a wide open game that had a lot of goals early. So that's the kind of game it was playing out as. But still, uh, David Quinn, even though he did like his team's fight and ability to back get back into the game, um, he did take umbrage with some of their defensive play. And uh, especially he's going on the power play too many times. Let's hear more from him. We turned it over. I mean, just the turnover is just frustrating. you got to puck on your stick in critical areas. And we just made poor decisions. There really was a story. And... You know, the other piece of it is we've got to finish our tracking and our back checks. You know, it's just, you know, there's a lot of great effort out there, but everybody gives effort. you got to give a second and third effort. And, you know, we did that at times, and we did that a lot. But, you know, if you're going to beat a team like that, I mean, you've got to, especially when we're in a situation where we're in the shorthand as we were, you can't leave anything for chance. We left too much for chance. Even though you did get a Ruda and a Barbanov back in the lineup, you did lose Emerson and Nico Sturm. They are going to continue on to the road trip. We don't know exactly what their injuries were. We do know there was a lateness about it to where they were not going to be able to play. So hopefully that means they were trying to get ready to play. So, you know, you do look at some of those defensive issues and some of the things that he was talking about and think maybe it would have been different uh, with a Luke Cunning out there with a Nico Sturm. I'm not going to claim, you know, that that would have been a win for the San Jose Sharks, but it is part of the narrative of what happened in that game. But also turnovers. I mean, they... They, at times, did it to themselves. You, I mean, you're giving, you know, you're passing your problem to somebody else, and you can't do that. I mean, you got to anticipate that someone's going to jump them, and that's what happened twice on two of our goals. We just gave the puck to someone who was covered. And, you know, but, and it's been a little bit of a problem for us is that when we get a puck, you know, 10 feet inside our blue line, we stand and look instead of going north, having a north mentality, and, you know, it bit us in the ass tonight. You can always count on David Quinn to be blunt. I do appreciate that about him. And yeah, you can't turn the puck over against a team like the New York Rangers, um, and you can't let them go on the power play as many times as they did. The penalties they took, uh, that was just a direct result of uh, you know them being a little bit late and just trying to do too much once they were late. And you know, obviously, you got to track, you got to defend, but you know the Rangers put them in situations where the Sharks took penalties. That's that's something that good teams will do, no doubt about it. The Sharks have to be that much cleaner because New York will punish you. Yeah, they didn't score. They had one yeah, you're stop, right. right. I mean, they listen. You hold your breath every time they get on the power play. That group's been together for a while now, and you look at all the top power plays in the National Hockey League. They've been together three or four years, and these guys have been together longer than that. Uh, I know there's one of this. I think Trocheck is the only guy that hasn't been there over the last three or four years. So, but you're talking about another hell of a player. So, you know. To take three penalties in the first period really puts you behind the eight ball. And more from Quinn on the issues with the defense that he was seeing overall. Well, there were six of them. I, don't, I can't remember which one his was. So <laughs> that was the you'd have to, yeah. yeah, that's just bad coverage. It's just a bad job by uh, our defenseman and our F3. You know, and a defenseman can't be outside the dots like that. So, but it's also on F3 not finishing his track. That's what I touched on. We didn't finish our track. He you know, did a great job getting in a position to finish. He stood up and took a breath and all of a sudden they're on a breakaway. Fabian Zetterlin continues to score goals for the San Jose Sharks. He has seven on the year. He leads the team in goals scored. Let's hear Ruzi's call of his goal yesterday. Chris Kreider, who got uh, robbed by the post a few minutes ago, lost a chance there. Here's Duclair moving in for the Sharks. They shoot, score! Fabian Zetterlin getting the rebound and tapping it in after Duclair put it to the middle and the Sharks get one back. They're down 6-4. Fabian Zetterlin getting credit for the goal. Yeah. Obviously nice. It's nice, you know. Uh, we gave up a little bit. Yeah. Their goals, it's a little bit too easy sometimes. But, yeah, 
Uh, good push at the end, uh, almost there, but uh, not good enough. Not good enough, clearly, but still, the Sharks did get a pushback. This did not turn into a blowout. This did not turn into one of those games where the score lies to you. No, it was a competitive 6-5 loss until the final minute, and the Sharks' offense continued to show life, and it continues to do so by way of Fabian Zetterlin, who continues to look like an impact player in the NHL. Obviously, he's on pace right now for a mere 30-goal season, or mid-20s, depending on how you want to look at the math, but he continues to be an impact player, and he feels good about his game, but obviously he was upset about not being able to get to the, get the win. Yeah, I mean, uh, build confidence too, uh, for sure, but uh, yeah, we, we earned ice when they score, I, I don't know, maybe three goals or something, yeah. and uh, yeah, we're going to keep working on that. Yeah, he's not going to be completely blown away by himself scoring a goal and being a uh, you know a part of a losing effort, but I think that it's important to get his takes where he's kind of like, yeah, we're starting to feel ourselves more as a team, but also he's saying, hey, we were out there for too many goals, and that's something that's got to change. But the fight continued. Oh, I mean, you want to create something every shift, you know, and when you're down uh, three goals, it's not over until the, the signal or what you call it. But, uh, yeah, uh, we get a, give it a good push, uh, but uh, almost, yeah. A good push, almost. They kept alive in this game, and I think that's something that's going to be more of an evolving storyline with the San Jose Sharks. I think that when you go through what the Sharks did go through in the start of the season, losing 11 straight, capped by 10-1 and 10-2 losses before you turned it around with two wins. I think that does something to a team, and it's something that I've also talked about up to this point of the year where you have to go through it together, where they've all got to be um, you know, going through that uh, river of uh, blank and try and come out clean on the other side. It's not a fun experience, but now it's like, okay, we've been embarrassed we don't want to go through that again. And I think that probably feeds their mentality of why they were able to fight back in a game like this. And that's something that uh, Addison talked about after the game. Yeah, look, we don't quit. Um, I mean, we're a hard, hard-working group. And, uh, you know, no matter what the score is, we're going to play right till the end. So, um, you know, I think we want to create that identity for ourselves and, and uh, have other teams know that we're never going to quit. And I think that's something the Sharks are trying to prove to the league. After you have losses like that, you have to show, no, we are not going to quit. We are going to fight our way back into it because teams are probably going to use that as part of their arsenal. They're going to cite there's, you know, those losses. They'll probably chirp at you while you're out there and say that, you know, hey, you know, we, we've seen other teams do this to you. And the Sharks have to go through that proving ground. It's, it's again, it's a baptism by fire. You climb through the river of blank to come out clean on the other side. It is part of the process of turning into a new and different um, entity on the ice and overall entity in the NHL. You know, right now the Sharks are seen as, uh, quote unquote, you know, the bottom feeders, I guess, for lack of a better expression. And they've got to prove to the rest of the league that it's not going to be a cakewalk against them. And I think they're doing that with these losses, you know, against the Bruins. Bruins had to work hard to beat them the other night, right? You know, the Rangers, the best team in the league, they had to work hard to beat the Sharks yesterday. That does not happen by accident because the Sharks are trying to prove to the rest of the NHL who they are, what they are, that the start of the season was an aberration. That's not what they represent themselves as as players or as a team. And I think that that's probably feeding their overall mentality. But that's that's what it takes, I, I think. I think you have to go through those bad times collectively to create a greater spine and a greater will. And these are the reasons why some players are going to be here when the Sharks are on the other side of it and turning themselves back into contenders. And I also think that that's you know, going to be something that resonates with them for years. I don't know how many of these players are still going to be here. I would think some, obviously. But, 
you know, when you're in this process of turning it over, you need to have some of the guys that were there during the bad times because they understand the mentality that happened that built them into a greater team and into greater players. Also heard from Kalen Addison talking about the next man up mentality in light of the fact that Sturm and Emerson uh, were not available for this game due to injury. It's next man up, right? Um, I mean, you know, since since I've got here, there's been a lot of guys down to, you know, injuries or whatnot. So, um, you know, that's part of the NHL guys stepping up, guys filling roles. And, um, you know, you got to make the most of your opportunity. And uh, when you get out there, you, you know, you got to do your best. Like I said earlier, we don't know what the status of Sturm and Emerson are going forward on this trip. Uh, we'll find out more in the next coming days, I am sure. But overall, um, the Sharks are in a place where they are, you know, again, they are not a great team right now, but they are an improving team. And they've taken steps to improve their offense. They've taken steps to get their first road win of the year. They have been more consistently winning games, and they are a very, very different team than they were a month ago. If you are curious what was happening on November 4th, it was a 10-2 loss to the Pens. If you are curious what is happening on December 4th, it is a day after a very competitive 6-5 loss against the New York Rangers, of which the Sharks have scored 11 goals in their past two road games after scoring six collectively prior to that game against the Islanders. They've had more goals in their last two games by almost two times than they did their previous 10 road games. And now they're going into a game on Tuesday against the Islanders where they've got to be feeling like, hey, we're getting better. We are improving with every single game. There are still flaws in our game overall. We need to make improvements defensively. We need to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but you are seeing a Sharks team that is competitive in games. Um, the last time they were blown out was at road game against Seattle. And now they've got an opportunity here with three games left on this road trip uh, to try and make something of it. So again, I am very much intrigued to see what happens against the Islanders, against Detroit, as well as Vegas before the Sharks get home for one on the 12th, taking on Winnipeg. We are out of time, however. Be sure to check out Tara Sloan's new episode of The Undercurrent, which is available for download today here on the Sharks Audio Network. And I'll be back with you on Tuesday as the Sharks get ready to take on the Islanders. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.